welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Our desire at Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to our guest minister for today. All right. We're in for a good time today. Amen. Little little backstory, as long as I've been doing the talking while he's getting settled. I'm not sure what all he's been hearing from the Lord, but I know that we were on the phone the other day, and it got quite interesting. And we weren't even talking about questions and answers. And we've got a few questions, I believe. Yes. And we have some here that we're not done any research for. And we're looking forward to a good time. And if we run out of questions, I know the Lord has already prepared something. So Amen. Amen. That's right. Okay. So let me just get myself together. What an honor it is, you guys, to do this. Amen. Because. Anyone that teaches anything knows you learn as you share. You learn as you teach. And so it blesses me to even have the opportunity to do this with my brother, who I love deeply and honor, but with all of you. This is outstanding. And I know that there's questions that didn't get written down or sent in. But it's okay, and there's still time to pop up, perhaps. Okay, so. The first question is in John 21:11 Is there any significance to the 153 fish? And this person goes on to say and many translations specify that they were large fish. Yeah, it does. They do. Um I'm just going to go over to King James. Thank you. Simon Peter went up and drew the net. Now, to go back to 10, please. I just really enjoy technology. Mm-hmm. So this is when the, the disciples went back to fishing. Went back to fishing. And uh, I'm going to start in eight. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land. But as it were 200 cubits, 
dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to the land, they saw fire coals there, and fish laid therein and bread. Jesus said to them, bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. First and foremost, it really says, Simon Peter was a pretty strong dude, physically, yeah? Do we ever touch on how we're supposed to be taking care of our bodies here? A little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. Secondly, in looking at what that body of water produces for fish, does anybody in here fish? Some lakes have a lot of bluegills, some have a lot of walleye and northern, some have a lot of bass. This fishery, that body of water, was known to have sardine-sized fish. Huh. So, is it, there isn't a lot of documentation about what fish size were, but it is stated that it was a sardine size, they, they salted fresh fish, which means they were sardine size. So then that would make big a really important thing. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. 153. Now this is where it gets kind of cool. I don't look at a microwave and see a number and go, it's not a prophetic portal. Yet, I do, there is a lot to numbers in the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit will tap on you when numbers appear or numbers are consistent. Mm -hmm. And as I was reviewing this question, I don't know when it was, yesterday or whatever, when we got that question, I thought, okay, Lord, 150, I never asked that question. But why is it there? In the scriptures, I like to ask why a lot, especially if it just is a flyby. It's a number, 153. How's that relevant? And why do we know that? Was it because it was 153 big fish? And so now we can realize how strong in the natural Peter was? Or is it because that's how full the net was? It was such a big net, it held 153 big fish? They did... There are, there is speculation that it was carp. And I don't know if you've ever seen carp, but a big carp's about that big. Mm -hmm. Or a catfish, one or the other. So that's big, right? But 153, why did the Lord tell us 153? In the Capernaum area of the Sea of Galilee is where the sardines are caught. I should have said that because that's where they were. Uh, that, that could have weighed three to 600 pounds based on people that have studied this out. Even if it's 300. I, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, and if I just kept barking that, I could probably drag that net a few feet or a little bit, and I'm not second-guessing my ability, but Simon Peter went and brought it over. 
2 Chronicles 2.2. 2. Please. And Solomon told out threescore and ten thousand men to bear burdens, and fourscore thousand to hew the mountain, and three thousand and six hundred to oversee him. This was at the building of the temple. So I don't even need to take a boot off to use my toes to count. He assigned 70,000 men to carry the building supplies, 8,000 men to cut stone in the hills, 3,600 men to supervise these workers. How many is that? What does that add up to? Seven and eight is... I should have had Mitchell do this. Wait, who teaches math? 153,600. Huh. Now, the BLT part of that. That's who built the temple. Was the number of fish relevant to what they were going to build for the kingdom of God? I have a lot of questions. I did a little research, too. And I agree with what Bob said. You ask the question of the Holy Spirit, you get an answer. Amen. Unless it's not necessary. I took a walk yesterday. We walked for an hour. Prayed in tongues the whole time. Over this. <laughs> I'll admit before you folks and that camera, I didn't get an answer. Now, am I not hearing from God, or is maybe this not a crucial thing to study? There are a lot of vital facts and truths in the Bible. But the Bible is all truth. And if we can say there are some vital ones, that means there are some that are not quite so vital. Is that correct? Amen. Now, I'm not minimizing anything. God does wonderful things with numbers. And I, too, took that number out. And I found a couple other things. Do you have more? Or Amen. Shall no. I go ahead? Please. Okay. In, I used to call it numerology, but I guess the proper term is gematria. Mm -hmm. You're familiar with gematria? The, the sum of the letters in Passover is, anybody want to guess? 153, very good answer. So, if you understand gematria, there may be some significance there. I confess, I don't know that. I also found, in my research, there were suggestions that at the time that that was written, there were 153 known nations. I haven't got that verified. And there were also 153 known languages. Don't have that verified, but I do have this list. And this list is the number of individual people that Jesus ministered to in the four gospels. Not counting the multitudes he ministered to, like the feeding of the 5,000. But for example, the centurion and the servant, he ministered to two people. In Matthew 8, 2, the leper, he ministered to one. Peter's wife's mother, he ministered to one. 
And I won't read the two columns worth of numbers, but guess what they add up to? 153. And why do we say, or why do I say, I'm not going to put this on everybody else, but I say it all the time, you can't make this stuff up. No, you can't. You can't, and it is a big deal. So what is the significance of 153? Could be right here. Could be right there. Could be something entirely different. Is it going to make a difference whether you get into heaven or not? Right on. It might keep you from getting the best from God if you spend too much time dwelling on it. Yep. Because we, it's called a distraction. We live on a need-to-know basis. Mm -hmm. And in as much as that pulled me down a little bit of a rabbit trail yesterday and Pastor Craig, it's awesome. I mean, I love studying the word and dealing with the hermeneutics of specific verbiage. Okay. Yet, it doesn't change what Jesus told me to do. And so I know my Lord, and I know the Holy Spirit will continue with me down that rabbit trail if indeed I need to know to be who I'm created to be. That's really important. I believe so. And, and those other, the ads that, that Pastor Craig found, see how cool that is? The Lord didn't show me either of those but he drew me right into these others. Mm -hmm. There is some kind of significance. I don't have the answer. Maybe Doc Ryan or, or Doc Steve will have a, a, a deeper understanding of those numbers, um, but I think it's super wise counsel what Pastor Craig shared. Don't get bound in an area where the Lord's not leading you just because you need to know. Because we are on a journey on a need-to-know basis. Right. And first and foremost, we're to do the word in ourselves Amen. and do the word in others. Amen. Yeah, I don't know who asked that question, but it, it's a great question. It is a great question, and there's nothing wrong with asking Heck those questions. No. Just be careful that you don't give them too much importance, is my counsel. Amen. Okay. Very good. That's awesome. Are there varying levels of titles for covenants? I.e. close friends, loyal to others, and marriage. That's what I said. Hmm. Hmm. Do you have to speak out that you are in a covenant, or can you realize in your heart that you're in covenant? Notice the grin. <laughs> okay, good. And third, how do those establish? Great question. Are there varying levels of covenant? I believe a covenant's a covenant. Right. My word is covenant. Amen. Amen. Period. Even if it harms me and I decided I wish I wouldn't have gone into that covenant for an action or a relationship or a, or a aura, I am a man of my word and I will hold to that covenant regardless of what it feels like in the moment to me. 
So I don't know. The covenant of marriage definitely holds its own place and has its own verbiage. Allie and I came into a covenant of marriage. I'm in covenant with this brother. I, I want to be in covenant with everybody in this family. But covenant has to go both ways. I can cut my hand and bleed like a madman, but if you don't lift yours and cut it, Okay, it comes with the same premises, though, I believe. Whether it's a friendship, what was listed? Clo close friends. Okay, I, close. What? You're either my friend or you're not my friend. This whole kind of in-between thing, I'm not sure about. But regardless, loyalty to others. So in those two... In those two areas, I'm not sure that, that those are actually covenant areas unless Jeff's my friend and we're in covenant. I would do anything for him and I believe I could ring the phone and he'd do anything for me. I believe that. And there's no reason for me not to believe this is a covenant of friendship. But do I call it that? Not necessarily, just me. And again, I'm teachable on this. Yet my, my covenant with Ali comes above everything other than my covenant with the Lord. Amen. So from a varying degrees standpoint, I do believe we have to put God's wisdom, our wisdom in lining these covenants up. But I don't look at Craig differently because I'm closer with him than I am with Joe or Pete. Mm -hmm. And how are those established? No, I'm sorry. Question number two, do I have to speak that out? No. I never formally said to him or he to me, I'm in covenant with you. I'm shocked. I just found that out. <laughs> <laughs> that we didn't have to or you were supposed to? No. We're in covenant, and you oh. never told me. <laughs> <laughs> These are great days. I just love them. No, I'm, yes. So do we have to speak it out? I don't believe so, because it's a matter of the heart. Right. This is all a matter of the heart. You're either in with your heart or not. Right. You're either a person of your word or not. If I said I'm going to go rake the lawn, I'm going to rake the lawn. I may have a couple excuses in between there as to why it's not done this minute, but I will get it done because I said it. We all need to stand there. Pastor Steve did a great teaching on that several months ago. It's awesome. If the world at large could take that tact on everything they say they're going to do and actually do it, it'd be a totally different world. Go ahead. Well, you took it all. I did not. You did. Here, you got all the questions. Because I was going to start with, it's a matter of the heart. Amen. Amen. And that pretty much says it all. But while Pastor Bob was explaining and rereading the question, and I was mulling it over, I agree with what Pastor Bob said right at the beginning. A covenant is a covenant. So the question as written with levels of covenant is like, I struggle with that. 
But let me put it a little different way that might help you understand that. Covenants differ in the amount of interaction and or intimacy. Mm -hmm. The marriage covenant is the most intensive, intimate covenant that you can have. It's the first covenant bond that God mentioned in the Bible. Did it before sin? It's a perfect covenant. Everything else that we're talking about with friendships, etc., this is all in a post-sin world, in a curse. So things vary a little bit, not that we have to go with the variations because we're saved out of that curse, right? Jesus took care of the curse for us. But this covenant friendship that Bob and I are talking about, or that Bob expressed with me, yes. I, I was joking, obviously. I know we're in covenant, just as I'm in covenant with each and every one of you. But it's a different covenant than he is with Alan. So rather than levels of covenant as though some are more important or, or whatever, think about it more in the relationship. There are relationships that, let me go a different way, just to show you real quickly. We come in here and we hug everybody, we kiss everybody, we say I love you, and this is unique, right? What if you all do that all the time out on the street in this culture? So these covenants will manifest and be expressed depending on who you're with and where you're at. And there are variations, in my mind, in these covenants. But I have to go back to what Pastor Bob said. A covenant is a covenant. And if you didn't get it, a covenant is a covenant is a covenant is a covenant. If I covenant to you, you covenant to me, whether it's spoken or not, I have certain expectations of you, you have certain expectations of me. I'm thinking of Mephibosheth. Hmm. Mephibosheth was generations removed from the covenant that David had with Jonathan. He was a grandchild or great-grandchild? Mm -hmm. Great. Great grandchild. And he was living in Lodabar, the end of the world. And he didn't even know for sure about his covenant. He had heard, but he was living in fear of the king, King David. And King David called Mephibosheth in one day. And he was afraid to go because he, he was just... He didn't realize his covenant. But David wanted to fulfill the covenant that he had made with Jonathan, with Mephibosheth. And when Mephibosheth saw the cut on David's hand when he reached out to him, he remembered, my great-grandfather was in covenant with him. And it's interesting that comes up because of... I was just meditating on that about a week ago in that story, as long as I brought it up. Maybe you've got the answer for me. Mm, keep going. Or it begins the story by saying that Mephibosheth was lame in both feet. Are you familiar with the story? Yes. How does it end the story? 
Mephibosheth was lame in both feet. Even sitting at the king's table, he was lame in both feet. And I thought, Lord, why do you mention that at the beginning and at the end? And I really feel the Lord gave me an answer to that. Unless you've already got one. No, these questions are awesome, though. <laughs> See how he's reading the scripture and he's got a question. I said, Lord, why is it important? I mean, yeah, he was lame, and he's still lame, but he's at the king's table. And I felt that the Lord really told me that he was an example of things to come, but we have a new and better covenant. He did not have healing in his covenant. We have healing awesome. in our covenant. Mephibosheth sat at the king's table, but he was still lame in both feet. We sit at the king's table, and we're healed. Amen. 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 Oh, that's good. That's good. I hope that answers whomever that was regarding covenant and the varying covenants. Again, it, it, it's all a matter of our heart. Mm -hmm. This whole journey. Okay. Uh, you don't have a microphone? Yes, you do. Well, I actually am really thankful for the things that were already said just because it honestly created more questions, I guess. When, when we have a friend or a loved one who is facing... Um, sickness, illness, that kind of stuff, and um, and it's a, a friend or a loved one or a close person who is saved but doesn't have the revelation, isn't in, you know, like our culture, and how do you support that person? Because I know, meet them where they're at, right? But speak the truth, right? But have compassion, right? But, but speak the truth, right? I mean, how, how? You know what I mean, don't you? Do you already know what I mean? How? <laughs> I got it. How would you support well, that you person <laughs> where they're at without condoning or agreeing with their lack of revelation right. in this area, but without browbeating them with the Bible because they don't have it, but I got to share the truth? The power of the testimony to start with to start with. One of the reasons I enjoy the testimonies that you all share, because I love edifying the Lord and praising him for what he's doing, and I bless what he's doing in each of you as those manifest. But I may run into somebody with that exact kufre that's out of place with their widget, that the doctor said exactly the same thing five years from now, or the next person I encounter at the grocery store. And I can share your testimony then. Oh, I know a guy whose left earlobe was swelled up like that, and the doctor said he was gonna cut the left side of his head off. No, but God. And he's healed, and I witnessed it in front of my face. You can have it too. May I pray for you? Number one, testimonies, okay. We have resources for testimonies like crazy. Andrew Walmack and the Healing Journeys videos, 
I, uh, I am hard pressed to not go there when I don't have a testimony of an issue and not say that right there was meant for that person and send them the link or open your laptop or your phone and play it for them. Oh, there's a lot of blank stares going on right then. That's awesome. Really, truly, what a benefit we have in Andrew's ministry just for that alone. Those testimonies are life-changing. And then you may stumble across the teaching or that person may be giving the testimony and speak to exactly the video of AWMI that brought them into that revelation so they could receive their healing. And so now you got a twofer in love. Okay, the other component here that's really important is with a family member or somebody you love, who is it hard to get out of the flesh for me when I'm commanding over someone I truly care about? There's times that I can't get my flesh out of the way and I've got to be in the spirit to get this done. You've heard me testify to Kreger and Tab when Kreger was praying over his covenant spouse and it wasn't manifesting and finally I got a phone call. Brother, will you stand with me? Absolutely. That's all it took and it manifests just like that. I could go on with testimonies of that. Okay, why wasn't that working? I don't know, it's minutia. Doesn't matter, if I was to guess, it's because a Kreger's loves for his bride and somewhere his flesh was getting in the way a little bit and stopping him from being in unwavering faith and commanding into that, commanding over it. Okay, so with people we love and family members, that's a delicate balance. Mm -hmm. Very. And I've, I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. My father, who was a very religious Baptist guy at 93 years old, had a catch in his get along in his leg and he lived in Rockford and he had just given up walking five miles a day at 92. And I had never heard my dad cry and he cried in pain when he called me that morning. And we did church here, and I got in the car and drove there. And quite honestly, in my flesh, I did not want to go be who I am in the spirit because he didn't understand any of it. And it might be a little bit of mop-up after I got done, explaining what had happened and teaching him. And I just really wasn't looking forward to it. But I did it. I obeyed. And when I commanded over him and I was out of the way, it, it manifests right now. And he was so thrilled in that Christian community he lived in, he like couldn't shoo me out of the place quick enough. I gotta go to the break room and tell everybody what happened. I gotta go have coffee and tell them all. Okay, is it time for you to go yet, Robert? I was there like 15 minutes. I know. Praise God. That was a huge breakthrough for me. And it really taught me a lot on that very topic because I had to tell myself that I wasn't praying for my father, that my father was loved by his father, and all I was doing was getting out of the way and releasing truth into that situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I could do that, and it might have taken two or three times in my heart to get there, it manifests immediately. I hope that helps with family members a little bit. The other thing that we can't do is dilute the word. I, I'm sorry that you still feel that way and it hasn't manifested you, but the fact is, by his stripes, you were healed. 
fact. Well, I know, but I, but I got that you got nothing. And that's kind of hard for me to do in love sometimes because, I know, probably hard to believe. I get a little black and white on that because it's fact to me. It's not a, I don't vacillate. It's fact. So I'm teachable and I'm learning to be a little more loving in that area as I, as I try and impart or teach or bring people into that spot. Um, but family members are difficult because we love them, we care about them. We don't want to see them in pain. We don't want to see them suffering. But to release the kingdom, we have to be in the spirit. And that means our flesh can't get in the way or we're blocking their healing potentially. And they also have to be able to receive. And some people just can't receive because they don't believe. So they need that just, and, and the testimony brings the mustard seed of faith after their hope has been arisen a little bit by hearing, then just, great. Well, I don't have faith for that. Don't worry about it. I got enough faith for both of you, says mom to her son, to her daughter, to a friend, to whatever, right? I got this. You just receive it, and it will happen. Amen. Just a little word on testimonies. We talk a lot about testimonies. Everybody's got a testimony, Right? If you're sitting Amen. here, you got a testimony. Amen. If you're born again, you got a testimony. If you've been healed, you got a testimony. If you've amended relationship, you got a testimony. Whose testimony is it? Revelation 19:10 says, "And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not." I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You have a testimony. It's about something Jesus did in your life. Amen. So it's Jesus' testimony. Amen. And that testimony is a spirit of prophecy. If you've had a healing and you speak that testimony of that healing, that miraculous Jesus healing in your body, for example, to a sister that got healed this morning, Amen. it's a prophetic utterance and she's healed. Amen. You can't even find her walking sticks right now. She's on her own <laughs> with <Amen>. Jesus. I, saw that. <laughs> I didn't hide him. <laughs> I didn't hide him either. But she doesn't need them, so it doesn't matter. Amen. A lot of times in the Christian walk, we make assumptions, we get wrong identities, and when we walk around and say, man, have I got a testimony, my testimony, have you ever heard my testimony, have I told you my testimony, my testimony, my, 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 whose testimony is it? Amen. And if we could get in our hearts, it's all about the heart, remember? If we could get in our hearts that these testimonies are so powerfully important because they are Jesus manifested in us and through us, that truth will overcome those awkward situations. Notice, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's a spirit. The testimony. Mm -hmm. There's power in the testimony that I believe most believers Amen. don't get. Yep. 
Is there power in the word of God? Yes. The word's Jesus, right? Yes. So we speak the word, right? Because there's power in it. The word in of itself is a spirit. So is your testimony. Amen. Don't add to it. Don't dilute it. Please don't dilute it. Don't make it too long either. I just thought I'd throw that in. I know, that's a good word, because then you're adding to it. I once was, now I am. I couldn't lift this arm, and look at it go now. That's right. I'm right-handed, and it's stronger than this one. But God. Amen. You're testifying about Jesus' work. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That, that's it. Go ahead. It, the, the spirit in the testimony. Mm -hmm. It's why there's power in it. Okay. Amen. I've watched people healed simply by testimonies. Yeah. Testimony after testimony after testimony on their smartphone while they sleep as they sit up and watch some kind of glowing screen with testimony scrolling over and over and oh, that's not working for me. Yep, it's not gonna if you don't stop that. Just keep going. It'll manifest. It's you that's stopping it because Jesus already did it. It is already done because the word is truth and it says it is. Amen. So it's just me getting in the way of those things that haven't manifest for me yet. Okay. Let me, yeah. Let me give a testimony of Jesus because Bob, I'm going to double, back, double down on the fact that a testimony is spirit. The word is spirit. Years ago, I took a youth group somewhere down Southern Illinois um, and listen to a choral group that sang all a cappella and put on an hour and a half performance singing nothing but psalms. Hmm. There wasn't a word in those songs that was not taken straight from the psalms and put to music. An hour and a half of psalms. And then we asked for people to testify what they had received. And people were popping up all over. Blind saw, deaf heard. It was incredible. The Lord touched me too. I hate to admit where it was, but I'm not going to do it because it's on. It's not necessary. Yeah. I got healed. Amen. Just listening to the Psalms. The Psalms are the Word of God, the Spirit. There was no healing message. There was no altar call. Just psalms. So if you can look at that testimony that Jesus has done through you and present it as the spirit of prophecy, there's power. Speak it out. Speak out the testimony. Like this morning, I knew that I knew that I knew during worship somebody else got healed. I don't know what it was. I don't even have an idea, male or female. I just know that it happened. And you know how many times that's happened in our body, y'all? <laughs> right on. Right on. That's awesome. Thank you. Deborah. Well, this is about, this is about unleavened bread. So what is the importance of unleavened bread biblically for God's people? It was first mentioned um, 
Lot made unleavened bread for the two visitors when they came to Sodom and Gomorrah, or to Sodom. And um, it wasn't really, like, was he taught that? Like, how did he know to feed them unleavened bread? And then in Exodus, when he's bringing them out of Egypt, just before he brings them out, he tells them all of the things that they are to do to celebrate their release, and it has to do with eating unleavened bread for seven days. But unleavened is the opposite of leavened, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So leavened means to be leavened, to taste something leavened, to be embittered, grieved, to be cruel, oppress, be ruthless, to be red. So I just wanted to know, you know, everything's a type and shadow, how that plays into even today. How does it apply to us today? Since it's not, I mean, I'm sure yeast has part to do with it, but that part, how does that apply to us? So leaven is another one of those applications that we got to see in front of our face with bread in the natural. Let me show you what this looks like in the natural. Yeah? In this covenant, for me, and that's a great question, because in this covenant, I believe it's what Jesus was speaking to with doctrines of devils and men. Am I the only person that knows somebody that's in Christ, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they're one-tenth of one degree off because of just one little thing they believed from somebody else or heard and are standing on, and it's causing them not to grow in their journey in Christ and move from glory to glory. It's prohibiting them from walking in all the prosperity that we walk in. They've been leavened somewhere, something. And it's really important and, and I know Deb does a really good job of this. When we're going to the interlinear or we're looking up a Greek or Hebrew term, I ask the Holy Spirit all the time, okay, there's seven definitions, Lord. Which one did you put here? And you'll know. It'll fit like a million bucks in context every time. So when I, when I look at the type and shadow in the Old Testament into the covenant we're in now, I always pair leaven with what Jesus said, which was doctrines of devils and men. And how many people, especially in today's age, with messages coming on every social media platform from people that have large platforms, with their hair on fire in some areas, and numb in others, and it's inhibiting all those that follow them, or those that can't eat the meat and spit out the bones, the bones being the leaven in, in my heart, that will prohibit or, or slow their growth and cause them to spin a circle like the Israelites in that area. Not saying they're not saved. Well, I'll admit that I have not really studied a lot on that, but in listening to what you're saying and thinking of a, just a simple physical reason why the Old Testament would talk about unleavened. Leavening is talking about the yeast, and it takes time for the process. Mm -hmm. 
And a lot of times when they were making unleavened bread, it was because they had to get up and go. They didn't have time to sit around and wait. And now with what you threw in there, that it's doctrines of, of devils and men, we've already touched on that a little bit. We don't have time to sit around and wonder if Adam had a belly button or not. It doesn't matter. Don't get distracted. The leavening is what will hold you back. The leavening is what will slow you down. The leaven is what will make you question, was that really God? I wonder if they'll receive that. Oh, I don't think I'm the one that do, should do that. That's all leaven. That's all holding you back. That's what I got from what you said. Because I, I, I admit it, I have never really sat down and studied that. And, and I've never, like, in, in my world, I've never run that rabbit trail exhaustively. Um, yet, I've had that inner knowing via the Holy Spirit as I've come across those scriptures in the Old Testament and tried to apply it into new, what, Lord, why are you, those questions that we all need to be asking as we're studying the word. Lord, why that example? Because it's in your face. Mm -hmm. It's in your face. And what has always been for me, and again, I'm a simple guy, it's that. It's, it's not allowing those things that are untruths or just a tick off from what the word is from changing my journey. That's right. Does that help us? Um, so there was one more question. I think there's one more question, yeah. Yeah, I know there is. Actually, that would mean two. All I heard was there's one more question, and it's for you. Oh, awesome. That's what you told me. Is that what you're referring to? So, yeah, I don't have the question written. Um... There it is. Okay. Uh, can somebody can give somebody her a microphone, mic please? So a couple weeks ago, you called out during or after worship that, um, that there were people that needed healing in their knee. And probably two months prior to that, I had hyperextended my right knee um, exercising. And, uh, and I've just been babying it all of this time. And then you um, made that announcement and prayed over everyone. And in that period of prayer, I felt this release in my knee. Um, and, and believed and claimed that it was, in fact, healed. Um, a couple days later, um, I was out in the garden trimming lavender bushes, and as I crouched down, my knee just um, exasperated in pain. 
And, and it just agitated me because I had been walking for a, a couple days without pain. And as I uh, squatted down, I just looked at my knee in anger and said, that's enough. You're healed. Amen. And, and I was able to go through the rest of that day squatting and trimming things and whatever without any pain, but still it has persisted to cause me pain. And, and so my question is, I, I don't believe that it is a lack of faith that I have because I do believe that it is healed. But is there something that I, we can do in the process of receiving healing that, that we can do more? Like, is there something that I am missing, that we are missing when we do receive healing and we've tasted and seen it, but here it's coming back and causing issue? Um, I mean, I just keep looking at it and saying, knock it off. Like, you're healed, you're whole, but I sit on it funny or I do something funny, and it's like, I'm still here. Um, well, that and was so, good. <laughs> just what you just did and said. Wait, keep going. This is awesome. And so I just want to know what, what, what am I missing? Great question. Mm-hmm. And thanks for the testimony that you were healed. Yes. Yep. Because you are. So, pain's a spirit. Tell it to go. Amen. What I heard you say was, which I is heard. not wrong. That's what I heard. Knee, stop it. Yep. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Do you see how it mocked you? It actually told you. Mm-hmm. It's a spirit. Tell it to leave. You have all power and authority. Yes? Mm-hmm. yes. All. So there's infirmities and there's spirits that cause afflictions in our bodies. Pain's a quickie. Go. You may not return. Pain, go. Now in my sister's body. Every pain, every infirmity, leave now. Amen. You may not return. Now how's it feel? And I love that a righteous indignation rose up because... Anybody that I've prayed for knows that I may or may not get a little pa- passionate. It's not necessary. I've watched people free of a lot by gentle whispers. Mm-hmm. It's just not who I was created to be. But does that help? And it's good? 100%. Amen. 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 Talk to it the same way. Tell it. You have all authority and power over all of that in somebody else's body or in your own. That's right. And that was a great question. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you, Paige. And just, just a word to everybody. All of these gifts that we're flowing in and the authority that we're flowing, we're all works in progress. And everything comes with practice. Practice, practice. Wait. Yes, practice. You read yeah. the word, you meditate the word, you get it in your heart, and you be a doer of the word. If something, for some reason, I don't know why, doesn't quite line up, don't let it derail you. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. You will conquer. 
I've heard that, well, I know it because I've experienced, especially working the prayer line at uh, GTC. If you're standing there praying for somebody, hoping that your prayer is going to get answered, it ain't going to get answered. But if you can see that person in front of you whole, healed, free, you're well on the way to getting them whole, healed, and free. And that takes a little discipline on our parts. Amen. That's why I say practice. Just do it. That's good. Thank you. Can you speak that question out? Will you give Allie the mic, please? Oh, and we have another one. Okay. Awesome. Please. This is, this is also a great question. This is so good, you guys. It's so fun to be able to dive into these places of application and hermeneutics. It's a twofer. <laughs> okay, the question, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'm just paraphrasing, but the question was something to the effect of um, if... Jesus said that he came to abolish, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Yes. So if it has not been abolished, then are people making excuses if they are not following the law? Yeah. It's a great question. So in this covenant of grace... Do, do we have to uphold all of the Torah law? Oh, my goodness. Only three. Got some work to do. I would bet everybody on YouTube, like, jumped up and down. No! No, we don't live in the law. But it's a great question. Because you can't live in the law and in this grace covenant, can you? Nope. No. You don't mix. So there, you can't be on the fence here. No. Okay. So what did, what, I can't ask the question. The Lord wrote his laws on our heart in this covenant. And your conscience and his spirit will organically stop you, lead you, change you. Yes? Okay, good. So that being said, what are the laws in this covenant that are written on our heart? You want an answer? That'll work. That'll work. That's it. That fulfills right there. the law. Yep. That Be fulfills the law. That fulfills it. Done. Bada bing, bada boom. So, Praise God. So the law was given to a people that didn't have that written on their hearts. But the law wasn't given for, so they could be righteous because no man can fulfill the law. Right. It's impossible. The purpose of the law was to show people that they couldn't be their own righteousness. Right. It was to show them. But the law is what it takes to be righteous. But no man can fulfill it. So Jesus came and fulfilled it. It has been fulfilled. Christ in us. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are not ignoring the law. 
we are walking out the law Amen. when we walk in love. That's right. When we honor God and when we love others as ourselves. We are the fulfillment of the law just as much as Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. But we're riding on his coattails because we're not doing anything but what he's doing through us. We can't, Pastor Steve said it a gazillion times, we can't give away anything we don't have. If we have the love of Christ and we walk in that love, we are fulfilling the law. Now, are we going to miss the mark? Yes, we're going to miss the mark. But there's grace for that. Amen. Because the sin was already forgiven. That missing of the mark was already forgiven. The sin nature was already forgiven. But we fulfilled the law. Will that satisfy your sister? You believe. <laughs> Matthew 5.20, for I tell you that unless your justice abound more than that of the scribes and Pharisees, in other words, they weren't getting it either. That's right. This is why covenant teaching is so important, beloved. Man, if you don't have these covenants pinned down, get there. Ask who's discipling you to help you with covenant law, with covenant in the kingdom that we live in, because this will mess you up. Because you just aren't quite sure. And that not quite sure is going to lead you off. That's right. For I tell you that unless your justice abound more than that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard it that it was said to them of old, thou shalt not kill and whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother shall be in danger of judgment. This is Jesus, you guys. Yeah. This is the backside of what I shared this morning from the Sermon on the Mount. I found no coincidence in that as this question arose. It's so good. Matthew 5. Read what's written on your heart. And don't let anybody else tell you anything different. It's who we are. Amen. Amen. It's good. Thank you, Lord. A simple why question is, since we are still the New, new Covenant Church, why do we not still see the baptism with fire when it comes on a person like they did originally? Well... I can tell you in this very body, there are people that have been baptized with fire. Um, in the old covenant, the Holy Spirit came and left, right? Yes, right. right. And, and so it was visible. We don't have prophets that saw another prophet getting a word from the Lord. But that was the Holy Spirit coming and leaving. Mm -hmm. But we have John the Baptist seeing it on Jesus. Yep. And in the upper room, we have the baptism of fire that was seen and written. Is that what you're, that's what you're referring to, I'm, I'm assuming. Okay, right. So I've never seen anybody get baptized in the Holy Spirit today, and I've seen a lot of people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Anybody else seen anyone? You saw the Spirit, the Holy Spirit come on somebody. Mm -mm. I haven't. I haven't seen someone be baptized with fire either yet, but I've witnessed as they were baptized with fire and they ran because their feet were on fire. Mm -hmm. And their fruit proves it. Mm 
And that's why we have the manifestation of speaking in tongues. Because it is a proof. We don't need a flame of fire. Some of you women with your hairdos, a flame of fire coming down. <laughs> and some of us don't have much to protect. <laughs> but we have the evidence we need. Yep. We can see the results. There's no questions. If somebody's baptized in the Holy Spirit, they will speak in tongues. And their passion will change. Their the understanding. word will become alive to them. Amen. The, the word will start to jump off the page. Their hunger for the Lord and his truths will change radically if they're truly baptized in the Holy Ghost. So if that was something that I was being led into, Lord, I want that fire. What did that fire bring? Passion, zeal, what else? Oh, yeah, well, that goes with passion and zeal to me, but boldness is what she said. Um, I know after being blessed to baptize people right in this room whose lives have been radically altered, their boldness changed. I didn't see fire land on them, but I watched them, and it's evidenced in tongues, and their fruit, their fruit proves it. And we are professional, trained by Jesus and the Holy Spirit to be fruit examiners. So... Is it possible for people to literally feel the fire of God as they're baptized in the Holy Spirit? I say yes. yes. Why? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. It's one of those. I'm on a need-to-know basis with my father. And if I needed to know, he'd tell me that. For my own journey or for somebody else's journey, he would show me why that is. There's a practical aspect of it, too. I, I'll speak for myself, I would be a little cautious going up to somebody and saying, would you like the Holy Spirit? And they say, yeah, I would. Okay, well, just be ready. I'm not sure, but there might be fire come down from heaven on your head. <laughs> not going to work too well. And I think God knows better than to do that. In that day and age, yes, it was very important. Today, we have him indwelling, and we see the fruit of it. And Amen. did I mention there's a little booklet out there with 10 reasons for the Holy Spirit? Amen. Love the coincidences. I know. I know. It's so fun. It's so fun. Have your way, Lord. Amen. Amen. Any other questions? Did that help you with your question, sis? Okay. All right, any other questions? So I want to submit to Pastor Craig and something the Lord's been leading him in, in uh, with passion, with zeal, with fire stirring in his spirit over this very topic. And based on what we were praying because of Pastor Ryan releasing this morning in our circle, and what the Lord has spoke to this body since, I don't know, 2018-ish. And then certainly in 2020, the corona lie and moving forward. Um, this is super applicable. And I'll do my best to stay seated, but I might not. 
Um, most of you know that I'm one of the older ones in the room. There are a few older than me, but not much. For those of you on YouTube, I'm one of the older ones in the room. I've seen a lot of life. And in my ministry, as my ministry has grown and developed here at Beloved, and God has opened doors and opened revelations, more and more revelations, Pastor Ryan even brought it up in the prayer circle about something I preached a year ago, about something was going to happen, but we didn't know what it was. We're talking about the corona lie and everything. I have watched all my life and had so many questions go unanswered as to why certain things happen. And Pastor Bob's, one of his favorite well-used phrases is, we're like frogs in boiling water. All of this culture change, all of what is going on has just come in incrementally, and we haven't felt a need to stomp our foot and say enough is enough, and it just keeps encroaching to the point, how many can agree that whatever it is out there is getting more bold, more blatant, not even trying to hide it. You agree? So that's been one of my questions all my life. Um, and I know I'm speaking history to some of you folks and probably half the room. But for example, you've all heard of the Watergate scandal. I struggled through that because I couldn't find any answers to it. And it just didn't make any sense to me. And yet it happened, it's in the history books, and now it's even referred to as, you know, everybody's heard about it, but there was nothing logical about it in my mind. And I only use that as one example. And I have seen these changes coming and coming and coming, and I know that I've ministered that we're in the end of an era, we're at the end of a time. The church age is coming to an end. That's a fact. We're in hard times. Are they going to get worse? Yes, they are going to get worse. And even in that, I, I say, why? What is it? And I don't know what I can say on YouTube to get away with it, but you know, there, there might be some other people that are running our government. And I can accept that. Except why what our government does, does it affect the whole world? I mean, when some things started happening, they happened worldwide. Am I correct? Did everybody think about that or am I the only one? It's like, how does this work? Whew. I don't know if I can do this. Praise God. Let me get my button. Do I have a phone? Yeah. Friday, I got to stand up. I'm sorry. I can't preach sitting down. Friday, I was looking at a video. I can't even remember what the video was, but it was on YouTube. And you know how they got the ads on YouTube. I saw a book advertised, and I just impulsively bought it. And I downloaded it at 8 o'clock Friday night. I finished it last night at 8 o'clock. It is the most compelling reason that I have ever found for what we are experiencing in this life right now. Um, 
We say that the devil is, is still fighting God. That's true. But that's, like, I've thought about that. It's like, that's like the devil is equal with God because God's up here running the affairs of the Christian side and the devil's down there or over here with his joystick or whatever he uses. I don't know if he's got a touch screen or what, but he's making all this stuff happen worldwide. And I think to say that the devil, as in one entity, is doing it is giving him way too much credit. And I've struggled with this and struggled with this and struggled with this. And I don't think it's one of those things that is a waste of time to struggle with. But I got the book. How many have heard of Rabbi Jonathan Kahn? Really? Come on now. Everybody that's heard of Jonathan Kahn, raise your hand. Wow. I thought it would have been more than that. Rabbi Jonathan Kahn is a rabbi. He is a scholar in things Old Testament, things Jewish, and he's born again. And he wrote some fantastic books that explained all of the biblical ties and references that were involved in 9-11. He has done fantastic work. Sometimes his theology gets a little iffy, but I don't have a problem with that because he's 99% right on. Would you agree with that? Or 90-some percent right on. So I downloaded The Return of the Gods, which is his newest book. And the crux of that, the verse that he jumps off on in The Return of the Gods is found, it's in Matthew and Luke. I'm going to go to Matthew 12, and it's interesting that our sister was at 1248. I'm going to be at 1243. When an unclean spirit comes out of a man, it passes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. On its return, it finds the house vacant, swept clean, and put in order. And then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and dwell there. And the final plight of that man is worse than the first. So it will be with this wicked generation. Now, I don't know about you folks, but I always thought of that as an individual application. What man would clean his house and get all the evil spirits out of there. Whether it's your physical house or the temple, your body, whatever it is, I always looked at it that way. But God's a big picture God. And that par parable is far bigger than the individual. And in this book, Rabbi Khan talks about the day and the age that we're living in. Now, if you know a little bit about Old Testament history, the Israelites were God's chosen people. But because of apostasy, they kicked God out, and they let in other gods. We got God, big G. We've got God's, little g. Am I you on board with me so far? Gods, little g gods, are they physical gods? Are they idols? Or could they maybe be spirits? Spirits. 
Spirits don't die and go away. When Christ went to the cross and Christianity was spread abroad, you remember Paul dealing with all of the idols in his letters. And Christianity overcame those idols. And we think, oh boy, that's good. We're done with that. Because we're Christians. We're this side of the cross. Everything's beautiful. But those spirits didn't go away. We know from Scripture the spirits are in the heavenly realm, the second heaven, powers and principalities of darkness. And they're still alive. And they can't go where God is. But as they've slowly but surely entered into this culture, primarily the American culture, which was, apart from Israel, the only nation founded on God's principles. And as we turn from God, and how many admit, in general, just an open statement, we have turned from God in America. Not in beloved church, but America. We have reached a point to where these gods are coming back in. Because the presence of God is not prevalent. You with me so far? Now this, this book was a pretty good read. Um, and I've just got some highlights on this little piece of paper and i got three minutes. So don't expect a full book review. But they talk about, he talks about the dark trinity. And these are little g gods. And the first god of the dark trinity is Baal, or Baal, Balaam. Depends on how you're, where you're reading it. Everybody heard of Baal? The god of apostasy. He's the first god to come in, and he starts minimizing the presence of God and glorifying his presence. The god of apostasy. He starts to change things. Now some of the signs that he had, remember when Moses was on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments and he was a little bit late coming down and all the people made a what? Golden calf. The symbol of Baal is a molten cow or calf or bull. How many know that on Wall Street in New York City there's like a 17,000 pound bronze bull statue? There is also the arch to the temple of Baal in the same area. Baal has entered in to the United States. That arch traveled across the country a few years ago, and they had great celebrations around it. Mm -hmm. When that bowl was installed on Wall Street, there was video taken of the ceremony. The web was scrubbed of that four or five years ago. It was one of the most demonic things I've ever seen in the United States of America. That's right. So, rapidly. Little G God number two is Ishtar. Who's heard of Ishtar? Ishtar is also known as Ashtoreth. Baal and the Ashtoreth poles. Ishtar is the goddess 
She's an enchantress, she's a seductress, and she is the goddess of sexuality. Anybody notice the rise in public sexuality? I mean, that's a dumb question, I know. In the 60s, I was in high school. In the 60s is when the sexual revolution started. That's when they started minimizing marriage. That's when they started deifying sex. That's when they took sex, which is beautiful and God-created, out of marriage and put it everywhere else in the marketplace. And it's, it's deadly now. They took it onto the street. And to go hand in hand with that, I remember back in like the 70s, they had a big council on, at the, in the Congress, and uh, Dr. James Dobson was at it, and they studied the porn problem. I don't think they got much done, because if you haven't noticed, porn is mm, on the rise. That's all covered with Ishtar, the second small g god of the dark trinity. And as this country turns from God and backs away from God, we open the door to these gods. The third god, little g, of the dark trinity won't surprise you at all. He's named Molech, the god of sacrifice. We talk about abortion a lot here. Abortion in the United States is horrible. Abortion worldwide is incredible. The average for the 50 years of Roe v. Wade was over a million babies a year killed in the womb. Worldwide, the total number of abortions is in the billions. It is unthinkable what has happened. So, we have let go of our hold on God. And I'm not saying we, beloved, but we as a Christian nation have let go and become apostate. And we have allowed these spirits that have been roaming around looking for a place where they could inhabit, and they're coming here. And they're coming worldwide. And I don't know how that resonates with you, but the whole time I read that book, I could just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I just knew that I was reading truth. It was the best answer I have ever heard for what we are seeing. Now, is that a doom and gloom message? No, because we have a solution. It starts right here. It starts right here. It's in the heart. You guard your heart. You stay right with God. You reach out to your neighbor. You reach out to your family. We do what we can. One person can only do so much. With the Holy Spirit, you can do so much more. But there's still limits. So the good news is, I've read the book and God wins. But we're going to go through some pain. But what I wanted to share and what I felt really a lot of relief over is that it is a spiritual warfare. Yep. We are in a spiritual war, and it is the war to end all wars. Because at the end, we're going to see Satan in the pit. 
We just got to get through the battles. And the only way we can get through the battle is keeping our heart fixed on the Lord. Amen? Amen. So in our face, anybody notice that the whatever they call them that go to the library and read to the little kids, everything that makes everybody Drag mad? Queens. Drag mm -hmm. queens. Have horns on their head? If you're not sure what these... Pure demonic. It's Baphomet. Mm -hmm. it, the, the symbolism is everywhere. It was in the middle of the Super Bowl for the last five years, right. if you cared to pay attention. Yep. There it was, in, in the millions of homes, him thumbing his nose at our Lord Jesus Christ Amen. by being in your home. I'm sorry, not anybody here. Okay, anyway, there is context to this, and yes. it all matters. We've yes. been frogs in boiling water, and the great deceiver has been deceiving us. Amen. Amen. I hope you were blessed. Thank you, brother, for sharing Thank that. That's great context to the world that we live in. So we spoke a lot today about the Holy Spirit. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit today or you have not come into a relationship with Christ, today is the day. It's the perfect day. It's the perfect day to recommit your life to Christ. It's the perfect day to have a fresh stir of the Holy Spirit. Paul spoke to it, so it's okay. It's not a BLT. It's a Paul. We're going to have altar ministers here that would be so blessed to pray with you and so honored to pray with you. So if you'd stand up, I'd like to speak the Lord's word over us as a blessing. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.